for those that like to tie me, I, I don't include this as a part of the sermon. It's the introduction. It's to maybe give a little bit more context of, of what's happening here today. So we are in the second half of the church year. Uh, it's the season of Pentecost. It is actually the largest season of the year. This year, 26 Sundays. So you can see how a lot of our worship time, our, our thoughtful time, is going to be during the season of Pentecost. This is also called the time of the church. Uh, the first part of the church, well, that's all Jesus. We have his birth, revealing to the world, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his uh, ascension, and then we have then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was five weeks ago. Time of the church. The church has started. One of the questions that I, I like to think about when I prepare is, so now what is my response to all Jesus Christ has done for me? When I think of everything from the prophets to the ascension of our Lord and the outpouring of the Spirit, the gifting of all that, how do I respond to it? Now, I want to be sure you understand any response that comes out of me, that's the Holy Spirit working in me. But still, I approach the, the topic, if you will, from that perspective. Now, for the last three weeks, counting today, we have been dealing with the same speech uh, sending of Jesus of his disciples in Matthew. I, I thought Pastor Supreme really did a creative job a couple of years ago to rethink the sending uh, in terms of uh, a business, if you will, a moving company, which was very appropriate, that we are trying to move uh, uh, people out of darkness into light, into out of death into life. That's what we do. That's what the church is about. That's why Jesus is the center of all we do. But this is a family business. All of us are a part of it together. All of us, as believers, are used by God for that very purpose. Now, last week, I, I talked about how, you know, it's not all, you know, fun and games. Um, when we begin to think about talking about Jesus and going into the world, we're going to run into things that are kind of scary. And maybe that's part of the reason why we don't want to share is that we're afraid of the response or, or what will happen. And yet a reoccurring theme last week was don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, similar to that, this week, we're not talking about not being afraid, although it's afraid, although it's very closely related, we're actually talking about God's peace. Our text is from Matthew 10, verse, just verse 34. Jesus says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is our text. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, just as you sent the disciples, so you send us. Uh, allow us to begin to uh, perceive and understand uh, the many ways that you bless us in our daily life to share the good news of Jesus. That is the true peace that transcends all understanding. We pray your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, our minds to understand and perceive your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's a lot of conflict in our world today, isn't there? 
All you got to do is turn the TV on, flip the channels between news stations. The big boys, they want to talk about the bigger things, but even if you turn in the local uh, uh, channels, what do you hear? There's another murder. We're ahead of the murder where we set the rate last year, the, the highest. And boy, what do you do with that kind of stuff? All the headlines seem to be about violence, death, hatred, conflict. I hope you kind of have the same sense that I do, that this just is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how God created, or the reason God created the world the way he did. And yet, that's the world we see. It's what, six months ago that we celebrate the coming of the, the Prince of Peace? In, in, the, uh, in the little stall in Bethlehem. And yet here we are, six months later, surrounded by conflict. Conflict between nations, groups of people, very common. But we even see it within our own family. And with all that conflict that we deal with, you have to also understand that that has an impact on us we feel that conflict as well. I mean, here we're believe God's in charge of everything, and yet the conflict is there's conflict. What do I do with all that? How does that impact me? Didn't Jesus come to bring peace, the Prince of Peace? Where's the peace at? When do I stop struggling? Is there going to be a day where I'm, I'm actually going to coast? Where is my peace? Well, to get at that question, you have to actually ask, what's your definition of peace? When you think of a prayer, dear God, give me peace, what are you thinking about? What are you looking for? The reality is that we actually like peace. Um, It's the sense, at least I think for most of us, that we're we're at right with God and the creation. Uh, Sadly, we like it so much, we even like it when it's false. It's not real. We like it because, well, the peace is comfortable. Think about it. Nobody wants to come home to a house where people are constantly arguing. Parents in front of children or the kids when they blow up. I came from a family of 10, and when they blew up, I, you could just see mom and dad getting to a point of, I, get out of here. You know, it's like, what do you do with all that? Who wants to be a part of that? You know, from a kid's perspective, walking into a home where mom and dad are yelling at each other, they're not getting along with each other, it puts you on edge. You're looking, ready for, oh boy, what's the next war? Is it going to be verbal, physical? Are things going to be thrown? It's exhausting. It takes a lot of energy to deal with that. It's kind of like walking on eggshells. And so we have a tendency to chase after any kind of peace, even if it means ignoring things. We know we really shouldn't. Why? Well, peace is safety. That's important to understand because that's a part of the problem. Why don't we address things? Well, to address things, we have to be confrontational. We have to say enough is enough, and that 
changing things. And change is always unsettling. That's part of the reason I still live in the same house I lived in ever since I got here. I know where the silverware is. I know where everything... I could walk around my house blindfolded, and I could still go to any place and get anything that I want to get. I know where it's at. Why would I want to move someplace else and try to figure out where did I put this stuff? Change! Uncertainty! Who wants to go through the pain of changing? So I don't. And that happens in relationships, too. It's one of those reasons why... Women will stay in abusive relationships. They're stuck. Fear of changing, fear of being out on your own is so such a painful thought that I, I will prefer to stay in a broken relationship, something that's wrong. It's not healthy. But you know, it's familiar. It's kind of weird, but it's safe in its own way. If I can just not make a big deal out of it, or if I can just mind my P's and Q's a little bit better, it'll hopefully go better today. And yet then there comes a day where it doesn't. So you know what? We, we refuse to change, even knowing that what exists is killing us. But you know something? That's not really peace is it we can avoid talking about stuff like this but when we do that we we haven't figured anything out we're still looking for things that bring about a concept or the idea of peace but it's all fake have you ever been at a restaurant or out with a bunch of buddies and you realize that one of your good friend couples that you invited aren't getting along with each other you try to talk about the royals, the chiefs. I change the subject. The next thing you know, yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. You're sitting there going, you know, if it's the movies, the camera will, you know, spy over onto you. And you're sitting there going, what just happened? You're looking at other people. Did you, the tension, you can cut it with a knife. You tiptoe around that uh, conversation, uh, trying to see if you can help change the subject or, oh, wait, hey, and you try to get out of the conversation because being in it is, is, is brutal. Even if we t- tiptoe around whatever the topic is, it's plain that what we're looking for, these people not fighting with each other while we're there, that's not real peace. Getting along for the sake of getting along That's pretending. And when you do that, you actually are living in fear. Because you know things are ultimately going to be uncovered. And why we wait for that to happen, false peace owns us. It looks like peace, but it's really fake. Fake peace always comes with a cost. How many of you have had a a one relationship where you know things aren't how they should be, but you don't know how to change it? Many of us have one of those family members that you get together for family reunions, and you've already established the fact that, well, we're just going to agree to disagree on this particular subject. We hope that our brothers and sisters don't bring it up just to watch us fight. 
sometimes they do. But there's these topics. And so what we do is we, we don't bring them up and, whoa, we got to that family reunion without any blow-ups. Is that really peace? And so we compromise in our relationships. Live and let live in the name of peace. But fake peace even brings death. Think about it. As long as you view life primarily being about pursuing this appearance of peace, we're living a lie. As long as our friendships are about getting along instead of loving, having loving discussions with each other, they're just shadows of what relationships were meant to be. When you think about your relationship with God, is it primarily about concealing our sin from him, even though he already knows it. We just don't want to bring it up, of course. Concealing our sin from others. And lately in our, in our culture, we're even concealing sin from ourselves. And when we're doing that, we can't find real peace because it's a lie. So Jesus came to bring peace. And he did so by bringing a sword. Now, there have been a couple of times in the uh, PowerPoint so far where I have that gorilla popping up in your subliminal. Say, is that a gorilla? Yeah. I did that so now we can talk about the gorilla that's in the room. Does that really make sense? Jesus came to bring peace by bringing a sword? That doesn't sound right. It sounds like he, he's here to, to battle. It, it, it sounds like the Prince of Peace is a little messed up in his brain about what peace is. When really, you know who's messed up? We are. We're seeking fake peace. And to the degree that you can be honest, hopefully you can identify it. Jesus comes to bring real peace. Now, to understand this peace, you have to understand the biblical the context of peace, and you see that in the Old Testament. The Hebrew had a, 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 a word for peace. It's the word shalom. Now, shalom isn't just a matter of not actively fighting in this particular moment. Shalom is about being restored or having restored relationships. It's about a wholeness in body and in mind, in relationships with other people, and in our relationship with God, it's about the whole being. It's just not between you and me. It's how I look at life, how I experience life. Shalom, God's peace. After almost every service we have on Sunday, we end with the ironic blessing, not ironic, ironic blessing. I added a, uh, the, the uh, verses before and after to give you a context. So the Lord says to Moses, tell Aaron and his son. Aaron and his sons were the priests of the day. He says, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon, uh, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites' 
and I will bless them. When you think about blessings, do you put peace on that list? I mean, shalom peace. Not peace that I don't fight with my neighbor or whoever, but the peace that God gives. Notice the blessing. All you, all you have to do is you put your hand, you say the words over the people, and the words themselves convey what they say. You have peace. God is looking at you graciously. He's looking at you with favor. And he gives you peace. True peace, not fake peace. Real peace that's found in our relationship with God that then influences our relationship with ourselves and and with others. That's why Jesus says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace but a sword. The peace he's talking about is the fake stuff. The ignoring of things just so that we can get along for the sake of getting along. But we're not building any meaningful relationships because of that. God knows that true peace, true shalom begins by dealing with broken relationships. Not only the broken relationship with God, but the broken relationships that isolate us from real relationships with each other. Now the Prince of Peace did come. But he came with a sword to cut through false peace, the lies, if you will, and to give, bring about shalom. So taking a stand is like bringing a sword. It's like saying this peace isn't real. It's fake. Now speaking truth... It's going to bring you into conflict with the lies our world embraces. Don't believe me? Try this. And if you're out on social networking or in a group of people, see, every life is precious and sacred from conception to natural birth. Just say that out loud so people can hear you. Say, human sexuality is a gift of God to be enjoyed in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Tweet that. Put it on Facebook. Proclaim in any sense that there's an absolute right and wrong to God's creation and that some actions uh, bring life and joy and others, well, they bring death and destruction. Watch the sparks fly. If it gets far enough out there, you're going to find that all you did was speak a word of faith or truth, and you're going to get a reaction. That's not peace. Those things aren't peace. You're making a mess by bringing that up. You're disturbing my peace. What is disturbing your peace but a fake peace that says if you just keep your mouth shut, you don't bring the stuff up, then we're okay. Is that really peace? Our world is comfortable with lies. But for real peace to take root, the lies have to be challenged. And they have to be revealed for what they are. That's going to bring some level of conflict, isn't it? The sword. But the sword that Jesus wields brings true peace, brings shalom 
when we confront false peace, the lies that support it, we know that ultimately inside things aren't the way they're supposed to be with God's influence in this world, but more specifically in our own relationship with God. We've done things we shouldn't have. We've said things we know we shouldn't have. And then there are those times, the things that own us are because we didn't say anything. We didn't do the thing we should have. Or we had at that moment when we could have spoken a word of comfort, a witness for Christ, we just kept quiet. And now that owns us. Why didn't I speak? There's simply no peace in our world, our relationships, or in ourself. And we extend that to our thoughts about God. Is it possible that we experience fake peace from our own personal perspective? Well, I did go to church today. It was ex- actually extra hard. Pastor Reimitz was preaching. But I got through it. I did. He picked some good hymns. That made it better. But let's go home now. It's over. I feel at peace. I went to church. By the way, thanks for coming to church. Because it's in this gathering that the Holy Spirit binds us together around His Word and His sacraments. My point is, is that the peace you're hoping for? I did something good. God, you notice that? Are we okay? Uh That's not the peace that we're talking about here. How could God love somebody like you and me? We're broken. And you know what? That's actually the greatest lie of all, isn't it? That somehow or another we've done too much or said too little for God to love us. Maybe this is the week where you feel extra guilty because you pushed this week too far. I mean, you had a lot of sins that you confessed that you had before. Why didn't you stop any of them? And here I am. I got a litany. I wish you would have waited longer in that silence for reflection. I only got through the letter L. We feel we push it too far that somehow or another I can't even begin to make peace with God because I, I'm fundamentally broken and I can't do it. And you know what? The real problem is that there's truth in that. We can't make peace with God. We try and we fall short. And we are tempted to settle for this false peace where we can just ignore the whole thing. I'm at least not like those other people. I went to church today, or I'm a part of a church. That's the peace? Or is there more to peace? Did Christ, the Prince of Peace, come with his sword to establish real peace? And that's where the sword cuts. God loves us too much to leave us with a false peace. That's what the grill is about. It doesn't make sense to the world that you would use a sword to bring about peace. That doesn't sound like peace at all. And yet, the sword 
that Jesus is talking about actually establishes real peace. God sent his son into this world of skin, knees, broken hearts, not just to, to bring a sword and, and cut through false peace that the world sees that inundates our life, but he actually came to establish shalom with us as individuals. God's son fell on the sword, if you will, took the nails, the spear, the death of the cross, to take on to himself all the reasons we were at anything but peace with God. All those things that we justified, which is anything but real peace with those people in our life. He calls us by name through baptism. We are his child. We have that Holy Spirit. He's established that relationship with us that is dealing with real peace. That's the the wholeness of mind and heart and life because we know who the creator is. We know his plan of salvation. We know that he has fulfilled it in Jesus on our behalf. That's the real peace. We're not ignoring disagreements. We're not ignoring difficult situations. What we're doing is we're understanding what peace really is. It's not just getting along. Real peace is about knowing and understanding and sharing with people about a God that loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to give us the very peace that transcends all understanding. Every week we have an opportunity here to feed on the real body and blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for us. Real peace means that we don't have to be good enough, worthy enough, able enough to make peace with God because God has already made peace with us. When we lovingly deal with the things we're brushing aside and hiding from, then everyone involved is peace, is set free. Because you're not hiding behind a false, let's just get along with each other. But we're actually speaking the truth in love. We're sharing the gift that God has given to us, that peace of God. And we're establishing that in our conversations with other people. Is this easy? No, the first conversation never is. Because you guys have been practicing other peace. So someone's got to say, okay, let's call that gorilla what it is. It's a gorilla. And may I be the first one to say, I'm sorry. I've helped this out. I could have said it before, but I was waiting for you. And the longer I had to wait, the more angry and anxious I became. And so I just decided I was going to shut down. And you know what? Everything's okay because we don't really talk about it. But we really need to talk about it. Where else does forgiveness work its way into our relationships until we have to deal with the fact that we don't always agree with each other? Sometimes we bother each other, but thanks be to God, he sent his son who helps us overcome our selfishness, our sinfulness and self-centeredness, and we can really deal with the true gift of God's peace, the forgiveness of sins, not just for me, but for you too. It's hard because somebody's got to make the first move. Somebody's got to break the cycle. 
Somebody's got to say, that's not really peace. Let's go back to our wedding vows. Let's go back to our confirmation vows. Let's go back to the vow that God gave us in our baptism. We belong to him. Let's not act like we don't. Rather, let's draw our strength from the very gift that he gives to us in Jesus our Savior. We exchange a, a false peace for the true shalom that God gives. Now granted, in relationships, you may find somebody that doesn't know this shalom. They're thinking about religion from a different perspective. But the burden isn't put on other people. It's put on me. What is my response to all that God has given to me? What is the joy of the salvation that is mine, given to me in Christ? It's about being open. It's about being honest. It's about calling sin, sin, so that forgiveness can have its way, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. Is it a challenge being a part of God's work? Absolutely. Are there people out there that don't understand, and when we try to share that with them, we're going to run into conflict? Absolutely. Last week we were taught, said, don't be afraid. This week we are reminded that Jesus came to destroy the fake peace of the world and to instill the real peace that transcends all understanding, that does guard our hearts and our minds in faith in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.